0: Getting ready to, to get into our Christmas series, and I'm very excited. Um, and I promised a friend from work as I was sitting down and talking about our series with him that I would use this terrible joke to open with. This morning's sermon is going to involve an angel, so as we get started, we're just going to wing it. I told him I'd tell the joke, and it, there it is. I, I promised him I'd say that awful joke, and there it is. I made everybody in the room's eyes roll with that, and wherever you are at home, you probably are too. Um, but as you get to Malachi chapter 4, that is the very last test, uh, book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the very last chapter, chapter 4, get, to, get there, we're going to jump from there to Luke here in a few minutes, but we're going to start out in Malachi, so just get yourself to Malachi chapter 4 and, and hang out for a second. Uh, as Pastor was telling you, and as the video said, we, we're starting our new series called Connected Christmas. And we kind of sat down, and uh, Pastor and I sat down to talk about what this series was going to be, and what we wanted to talk about, and what God was laying on our heart to do. And we didn't want to do just the, the typical Christmas story, which I, I don't want to say typical. It's a miraculous story, and we love telling it every year. But we would, didn't want to tell it in the same context that we do every year, because this year isn't like many other years. 2020, as you saw in that opening video, has had its fair share of stuff we're going to call it stuff for lack of a better word some of you may use dumpster fire stuff is what we're going to go with um 2020 uh, will probably go down in history as its own decade um because it's aged us all ten years has it not um but we're gonna we're gonna get through 2020 has been strange 2020 has been weird if you recall 2020 started with australia being on fire and if that feels like it was almost a decade ago that's what 2020 has been um, we've seen a lot of things occur this year, and they've never had more, the, the news has never had more of an impact on our everyday life, than in my lifetime at least, than it has in 2020. All our students are at home, not meeting in school, they're meeting via Zoom, and they're getting sick of looking at each other on video. Some of you are doing that for work. A lot of you are working from home, some of you are out of work. We're distancing, we're wearing masks in public it's getting weird and it's getting stressful and as the stress comes on it leads to anger and frustration fear fear is the the big thing prevalent in this season of our life right now thank god we have a a god who overcomes fear praise him that he he makes fear nothing in in the light of his glory and we're going to take a look At this disconnected time where we're all connected digitally to one another, but we feel more disconnected than we've ever felt, we're going to take a look at the greatest story of connection there ever was. The greatest act of connection was when Jesus died for us on the cross. But to get there, the prelude to there, the prologue to that story is the Christmas story. When God, part of himself in Jesus Christ, came to earth to connect with his people so that he could die for us. That's what the Christmas season is about. We look at the birth of Jesus, and it is one of the most ultimate acts of connection there has ever been. And so why not take this time? When everything's slowed down, some things have even stopped, things have gotten much more quiet than they've ever been, to use this time to reconnect with our Lord and Savior like we never have before. We're gonna take a look at a story this morning about somebody reconnecting with God through through a trial. And I think we can all relate to to going through trials. But what we need to pull from it is the idea is that in the trial, in the change, in the discomfort, in the the uncomfortable places, is where we can connect with him. You look to the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned that lesson the very hardest way by being put in a literal fiery furnace. And as they went in faithfully, they found themselves standing with Jesus. When we go through this stuff, we can find our connection to him even stronger. So we can use these trials and these times that are tough as an excuse, as I have so many times this year used everything going on as an excuse to just check out and just distance and, and get out of a routine and even to not do the right thing. Or we can use this time when it's never been quieter to hear his still small voice and to reconnect with him like we never have before. 2020 has been... ride, Um, but in it we've also seen blessings. I I, myself personally, my wife and I, the greatest blessing we could have ever asked for. And then three of our friends also getting that blessing this year. I'm talking about pregnancy. We're having a baby and we're very excited. Shout out to Tyler and Leah who had had baby Maya just a few weeks ago, and uh, we've got three more on the way. Four of us, all at the same time, we're going to start calling them coronials, yes. And here in about 13 years, we're going to have corn teenagers. Those are the words I'm going with. i got to get my dad jokes going now, because I'm going to be one. But God is blessed. God can get through everything. and He said it over and over in his word, in the hard times and the rough times, stick with me and I'm going to I'm gonna pour out a blessing that you wouldn't be, be able to receive. He's showing himself faithful. That's a testimony from my life, is that, and this is not something we've talked about a lot in in front of people, and I apologize if I I get a little emotional talking about it. Six and a half years we tried to have a baby. Six and a half years we've we've been going along trying to make it possible to have a little one, and putting our faith in Him, and knowing that our timing is not His timing, and looking at stories in the Bible of people waiting much longer than we did to have a baby. And so that's, that's kind of what brought me here to this story we're going to read. The, 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 the New Testament that we'll get to here in a minute opens with the story of two births. Um, and it, it's, it's really interesting how, he para- how the God in His infinite wisdom when He wrote the New Testament parallels the story of how you and I will find new life starts with two new lives. It's very cool, but let's get into it. Let's get into it. Grab your Bibles. We're in Malachi chapter 4. It's the very last book of the Old Testament Malachi is writing, and he gives, in this last chapter, he gives a glimpse of what's coming, and then we'll we'll see. We're in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. There's a lot of doom and gloom in that, and there was a lot of warning from God's prophets in the Old Testament telling people of what was coming, but he would also talk about, the, he would also say, talk about the good things that were coming too, and here we see it in verse 2, But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves of the stall. You will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies." He goes on in the next few verses to, to issue a final warning. And then he doesn't speak again for 400 years. He issues this last bit of what's going on. He gives a, he gives a very specific warning to Israel at the end. He, sa- he talks about the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And then God is quiet. You and I have had just a little taste of what it's like for things to get very quiet. That's what 2020 has been. Things have quieted down quite a bit. Things are not open. Things are not keeping normal hours. Some things just aren't occurring. Some things aren't open at all. Imagine what it was like for the people of God who are used to hearing from Him through His prophet and through the words of His prophets written down, hearing from their God on a fairly regular basis, now 400 years generations came and went, in that 400 years without God ever speaking or giving words to a prophet to write down or audibly speaking to anyone, it was quiet. I want you to remember verse 2, for when we get into the the, the latter part of our story we're going to read this morning, it says, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Now there are different schools of thought on what that means. if you, if you get into it, it goes back and forth between ble- people believing that the, the phrase Son of Righteousness is a name for Jesus and he's predicting Jesus is coming. And that's, that's okay if you believe that. Um, but as we look at the language that's used, the word for Son in, in the Hebrew there is actually the feminine form of the word. Typically, they would use the feminine form of the word when speaking about a concept personified, such as uh, wisdom being referred to as a woman in, in, in Psalms and in Song of Solomon. But in this case, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing, and there's the difference in different translations you'll read. Some translation will say healing in his wings some will say healing in its wings. It's the difference of if we're talking about a person or a concept. I think it's a little more complicated than that because of the way they spoke back then and the way their language works. I think it's a concept personified. So there's one school of thought, uh, theologians believe he is speaking about Jesus. Another school of thought believes he is speaking about salvation. But if you, if you took apples and oranges and compared them in that situation, we believe Jesus is our salvation. So, you know, it lies somewhere in the middle, whatever you want to believe, but whatever you want to believe, it is talking about the coming salvation brought through Jesus Christ for God's people. He talks about it through Malachi, and it is one of the last things ever, uh, ever spoken through God just before he goes through four, everyone goes through 400 years of silence. Um, and then we go to Luke chapter 1. So if you flip over there with me typically the Christmas story comes out of Luke chapter 2 and we will get into that. Pastor Derek will be on that portion um, next week. But Luke chapter 1 we find kind of the, the, if, the whole sto- if the whole story of Christmas is the prologue to the story of our salvation then Luke chapter 1 and the birth, uh, the birth of John the Baptist is the prologue to the prologue. Um, we get in here and we, we find this story of a couple. Who find out uh, they're going to have a child much in the same way that Mary's told. And let's just, uh, before I get ahead of myself, let's just read it. In Luke chapter 1 starting in verse 5 it says, In the days of King Herod of Judea there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. Zechariah's our guy. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. And when his division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Now let me pause right there and explain a little bit. So Zechariah is one of the priests in the temple. And once a year it was the job of one of the priests of the temple to enter the, what we would call the Holy of Holies, which is the, the very back portion of the temple is covered by a veil. And I don't. we think of veil, we think of like a bridal veil, something you can see through. It's actually a curtain that was very thick and nobody went back there. It was, it was where the Ark of the Covenant was, was housed in the temple. And back in the Holy of Holies, once a year, a priest would be selected to go back there and offer a, an incense burning, a, an, an offering to God on behalf of the priests and the people of the nation of Israel. And so the priests would rotate duties it would be a, a group of priests would would rotate in they would live near the temple they would serve in the temple they would observe all these all these different rules for staying clean watching what they eat um, how they enter the temple how they administer the duties of the temple and and so it just happened that Zechariah, probably not just happened we know it's not coincidence that Zechariah, his division is on duty as the priests in the temple at the time and by lot which means by chance he's chosen from among his group. Also, we know, not a coincidence, God's in control of the story. And so Zechariah is chosen as the one to go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies to make the incense offering. And what we know from history is that oftentimes when a priest had to venture back into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around his waist. Because if if you entered into the Holy of Holies wrong, if you entered into the very presence of God which they believe the presence of God existed there around the, the Ark of the Covenant and all these items that, that His presence was on them, if you entered in there in a wrong way in, a, in, in unclean as they, would, as they would put it, in whatever way they meant it, you could be struck dead in God's presence it was that powerful it was it was that it was that important and so he cleans up and they go through the ritual of cleansing him in in every way possible and he he makes his confessions and he and he goes back to make his incense offering it it doesn't mention it here but we know from history that this was a this was a very big deal for a priest to be able to do this um Verse 10, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. And before I go any further, let me point out, every time we see an angel appear in Scripture, they have to tell the person they've appeared to, do not be afraid. Um, and I actually got into a discussion with a, with a coworker about this this week. They, uh, we were talking about it, and they said, why is that? I said, it's because angels don't look like the Hallmark Channel makes them look. Angels are not these beautiful people who happen to have wings. In fact, every, every iteration we find in the Bible describing an, an angel for what they look like, they're kind of terrifying. We're talking heads of various animals attached to humanoid bodies with wings, and some of them are covered in eyes throughout. And not two wings, six wings. It's something right out of a Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro movie. I mean, they're just, they're, they sound terrifying. <laughs> Um, but so that's why every time you see an angel appear to somebody it's not just that there's a glowy dude floating over somebody talking to him it's because they probably looked horrifying Um, don't we love going deep into the Bible I'm sorry I'm shattering everybody's uh, image of an angel but the angel said to him in verse 13 do not be afraid Zechariah because your prayer has been heard your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John there's that little moment, that that little command, you will name him John, there will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked. He's saying, how how can this be? How can I know this? He asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. You'd think for a guy who's read the Old Testament, he'd understand that when God promises somebody a child, it doesn't matter how old they are, it's going to happen. The angel answered to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, now listen. And it's funny that he starts the sentence with, now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day things take place and de- sorry the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time meanwhile the people were waiting for zechariah amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary where where he did come out and could not speak to them then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary he was making signs to them and remained speechless and when the days of his ministry were completed he went back home and after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with fav- favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray now as we go deeper in this story, as we, as we find what you have for us, that you would, you would illuminate our hearts to your message. Um, God, just let me speak your words and nothing else and let all of us take something away from what you have to teach us this season about what it means to be really connected to you and the people around us in your name. Um, And uh, God, just give us ears to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the angel tells him, Gabriel tells Zechariah, because you have doubted, because you have said, how can this possibly be? You're gonna be silent for nine months. There's a promise made, and then a period of silence. Just like we found in Malachi. Which is interesting parallels we find all over God's word. The promise made and then because of his, his moment of doubt, his moment of disobedience, nine months of silence for Zechariah. We get back to that part of the story in a few minutes, but what happens in the interim? Mary is visited by Gabriel, and we all know that part of the story. Gabriel comes to Mary, tells her you will have a baby, you will name him Emmanuel, and immediately they name him Jesus. I always found that funny. Um, But the name Emmanuel means God with us, and it's kind of a center point for for the entire Christmas story is is the simple concept, God with us. He is with us, he is not far off, he's not distant. Um, the book of Isaiah called him uh, a, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, predicting that Jesus would come and he would, he would experience the sorrow and grief of a broken sinful world for himself before he went to die on the cross for all of us. Um, so Mary's visited. Um, she's told she's going to have a child that is going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit and that he will be the Savior of all his people. She's told all of these things. And I, as we were joking this morning, when you listen to that song next time, Mary, did you know? You know she knew. He told her. But, good song, not disparaging it, but she did, know. Um, Mary's visited by Gabriel, and then she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. They're cousins of some sort, the Bible's never super clear about how they're related, but they're related. And she goes to visit her, and when she enters in, and when Mary speaks to Elizabeth, this, this thing that, she t- that the angel had told them that he would be full of the Holy Spirit even in the womb, um, John the Baptist, who is still in in his mother's womb, leaps at the sound of Mary's voice when she comes in because he recognizes the voice of the mother of the Savior who he's going to spend his life telling people about. Um, This beautiful image of of these two pregnant women and the the children they're carrying and what each of them is going to do. And then we come to verse 57. We, we skip through all that story part. Well, that's a, that's a story for another time. We're going um, to stick with Elizabeth and Zechariah for the story. It says in verse 57, Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. And when they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, No he will be called John. Then they said to her, none of your relatives has that name. It was traditional to name the child after a relative. Most, most likely the father or some ancestor somewhere in there. And they said, no, nobody has this name. And verse 62, so they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, Zechariah wrote, his name is John and they were all amazed and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God and fear came on all those who lived around them and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea all who heard about him took it to heart saying what then will this child become for indeed the Lord's hand was with him. Writing his name is John writing that phrase is the moment Zachariah's faith met up with his actions, and he connected with God's will. And I've got one point for this whole sermon this morning, so if you're a note taker, here it is. This is the point, and this is, this is the point we're driving at, it's going to tie into all the other points for, for this sermon series, but here it is. We see God move when we connect with His will. We see Him moving when we connect with His will. In that moment of doubt, when the angel appeared to Zechariah, he he lost something he lost a step in that moment he's gotten to go into the holy of holies he's got to bear witness to an angel speaking to him he's been told what god's will is for him and he has just that little bit of well how could he do this H- how could he possibly how could i be blessed this way it doesn't seem possible at this point in my life that is somebody who's gotten who's who's found their self in that place of life has accepted their circumstances and for a brief moment, has forgotten the power that God can bring to bear on every one of our lives. It's as true as it was 2,000 plus years ago when it happened to Zechariah, and it's still true for you and me. He connected with God's will in that moment, that act of obedience. He's been silent and listening, and which is funny, Gabriel said to him, now listen, here's what's going to happen, and it was all he could do for, for nine months was listen. He listened. And in that moment when he was given the opportunity, they said, what what do you want his name to be? He wrote, his name will be John. That act of obedience, that act of faith, that act of he's watched everything come through and now he's going to be obedient. He connected his faith to what he was going to do. And that's the moment we connect with God. I can say all day long I've got faith in what God's going to do, but when the hard choice comes up and the moment's there, Will I react in doubt or will I react in faith? James chapter one says the double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double mindedness meaning that we've, we've got one foot planted in faith and one foot, foot planted in doubt and they're unequal territory, they're unequal ground. We can't be stable there but if we plant both feet in faith and operate from a place of faith, we see God move. We see him do things. We find a way to connect with him like we never have before. Verse 67. And so, Zechariah is able to talk again. He's given, he's given this act of faith. He says his name is John, and his mouth is open. And it says he begins praising the Lord, and this is what he says. 67, then his father... John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, "Blessed, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, in his presence all our days. And then he begins to prophesy about his son, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because our god's merciful compassion and this amazing point that's going to tie us right back to malachi the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace that that word there i'm reading from the christian standard bible and he uses the word dawn if we go back and look at, look at the original language, they had a word that if you've got a King James in front of you would have been translated to the word, Dayspring. It's one of the many names for Jesus, it's one of my favorite names for Jesus because of what it means and what it ties back to. Dayspring was a word they had in their culture we don't really have. We have dawn. Um, but what Dayspring meant, it doesn't, doesn't just mean dawn, that's what I love about the language that, that God's Word is written in is that we can find deeper meaning when we go into it is um, th- their word dayspring uh, and the word they would have used back then actually means the point on the horizon where the sun appears first. He's calling Jesus the point on the horizon where the sun of righteousness will rise from Malachi chapter 4 with healing in its wings. Jesus is the point of the dark night from where the, s- the light will come and that light is the salvation of all who would believe the very last thing spoken about Jesus and uh, predicted about Jesus in the Old Testament just before the silence was that the Son of Righteousness would rise and the very first thing in the New Testament prophesied about God from the mouth of a prophet who who had been silenced the first thing he calls him is the day spring the dawn from on high the place where the light comes from I've always loved that in this story we're beginning to see the end of a very long darkness The sun, representing the greatest gift that could ever be given to humanity, is beginning to peak over the horizon. New day being set parallel to new lives and new life, pregnant silence giving birth to the audible sound of God's faithfulness and grace, it is the prologue, not just to the Christmas story, but to the entire plan of how God will redeem His people, including you and I, back to Himself for all eternity. In it, we see Him calling good people like Zechariah to something far more significant than just being good. He is calling them to connect with him in a way they never have before, and he is making that same call to you and me today. We are being called to connect with our God in a way we never have before, and as Hannah comes to to get ready to lead us an invitation, that's, that's the question this morning. Have you found yourself far from him amidst all the distractions 2020 has thrown at us? And if you have, would you decide right now To forget the distractions, to lay the weight of the world, take it off your shoulders and let God have it, and reconnect with him like you never have before. Real connection with our Savior. Not just knowing him, not just knowing about him, not just knowing what his word says, though all those things are important, but through all of that, letting everything he says he is in his word, and everything he imparts on you through his servants and through the messages you'll hear here, and through how he blesses you through the week, affect who you are and how you interact with the world around you. Doing God's will. We connect, we see Him move when we connect with His will. So that's the question this morning. Are you connected not just with knowing about Him, but doing His will? We're not saved to sit, we're saved to serve. So the first question is, have you ever connected with Him to be saved? That's the first step in in all of it. Have you had that moment where you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? It can't be your pastor's faith. It can't be your youth pastor's faith, your parents' faith, your grandparents' faith. It is not something that somebody can pass on to you. It has to be yours. And it has to have feet to stand and legs to move, and those can be the the feet and legs and hands of Jesus if you let him. So if you haven't, and you need to know him, it's as simple as a prayer. We call out to him, we ask for him we make known for Him and us, and maybe somebody else so we can rejoice with you, that He is our Savior, that we are His, and He is ours. And let me warn you, if you haven't done that, you'll never be the same. I did it October 22, 2003. I was a much different person then, and my life was headed in a much different direction than it has gone now. And I can tell you with all sincerity from my personal story and and that's all you need to share the gospel is your own story from my story he can change anyone. He can forgive anything. He can rescue you from anywhere and bring you into the light so that you can show somebody else how they can be rescued and so that you can take part in this kingdom so that you can be joint heirs with Jesus as the Bible says that we share in the inheritance of God's glory all those wonderful things, but I, I will warn you, things will change. Things will never be the same. As, as the world was never the same after the Christmas story, it was just a prelude to the fact that things for us individually would never be the same once, once his story connected with our story. If you don't know him this morning, uh, I pray that y- you, would, you would contact one of us here. You would message us through Facebook. All that's anonymous. Message us. We can tell you in, in two minutes how you can know Jesus as your Savior. Message us right there on Facebook. Email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com if you have questions about that. We want to talk to you about it. We wanna, we're not going to ask you to make a decision. We're going to give you all the information you need to make a decision for yourself. If that's what you want to do. Maybe you've made that decision. Maybe you can point to a time and place when you say, I, This is where I became a Christian, and this is where I connected with him, but I, I, I'm not there anymore. And I think that's a good deal of us. I think that's probably most of us. We've trailed away, we've trailed off, we've let the distractions around us get the better of us, and we're starting to put both our feet in doubt because of our circumstances. 2020 has been the ultimate set of wind and waves. And like Peter, we have been putting our eyes on the wind and waves too much instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus and keeping our feet firmly planted. Because when we're with God, storms become rocks under our feet. But we have to be completely connected with his will in order for that to be true are you connected with him in such a way that you're not just learning from him and you're not just learning about him but you're taking to heart the things he says you're supposed to be as a Christian and putting them in practice this was a hard sermon to write because I'll admit I'm I'm not I'm not there I've let 2020 be my my distraction this year's been so terrible I've become more cynical this year than I've been in a long time but through it all God's brought me one of the greatest blessings I could have ever asked for this year. And I hope he'll forgive me as I apologize for letting, that dis- letting all the other things distract me from his glory and his will and his work and thank him for his blessings. Where are you at right now? Are you connected with him? Wherever you're at right now, you're you're at home, you're in your pajamas, wherever you're at right now, would you for just a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes with me for just a second, indulge me for a moment. Take one moment and just truly think about where are you with your Creator? Are you as connected now as you've been in the past? Are you connected now as much as you'd like to be with Him? A little litmus test for that is what have you been thinking the most about this Christmas season? If it was anything but Jesus, and trust me, I'm there, we've got our priorities out of whack. Let Him be the center, let Him be the foundation, let Him be everything, and He'll never disappoint. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for your love for your salvation, for your light that pierced the darkness. Thank you that you forgive us when we go astray. Thank you that all we need to do is keep our eyes and our heart pointed in your direction. Thank you for being so much more than we could ever be. Forgive us where we fail. Give us renewed strength for today, for tomorrow, for next week, for next year to seek your will and to do it. equip us with what we need to be your saints to go out and tell people who you are and to live it through who we are and let us lay down the weight of all these distractions and all these terrible things around us we're not going to pretend they're not there but we're not going to let them burden us any longer we're going to take up your work we're going to take up your your yoke and your burden because they're easy and they're light and we're going to do your will and help us as we get ready to have a new year next year. We're not just looking for better or easier. We're looking for your will in everything and how we connect to you. Thank you for this wonderful story we get to, to, to hear and to tell about who you are. And be with those of us who may not know you yet. To have the faith to step out and ask somebody and talk to somebody. And be with those of us who are not as connected as we need be right now. To seek you with everything we have. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section. Or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.